I recently switched out my winter wardrobe with my summer clothes. Do you do this too? Each time I have the opportunity to take stock of what I have, what I use, what I need to donate, and what gaps I'd like to fill. One of the funnest ways I've loved to fill those gaps is through Armoire, a clothing rental membership that can help you build the perfect summer wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your online closet. The styles show up to your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles that help fill those wardrobe gaps without the major investment or commitment. For my first case from Armoire, I chose mostly summer dresses from Bowdoin, a brand I can't typically afford, and the chicest double-breasted black blazer from Paige that has honestly surprised me in its versatility. I have loved having more options in my summer wardrobe without the pressure of keeping them forever, and I've already been building out my online closet with Armoire, so I know what I want for my next case. For you expecting mamas, those working or style obsessed who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Welcome to About Progress. I'm Monica Packer, a regular mom and recovering perfectionist who uncovered the truest model to dramatic but lasting personal growth. It's progress made practical. Join us to leave the extremes behind and instead learn how to do something to grow in ways that stick. My primary mission with this podcast is to change the world by changing women. And really that's helping women change in the ways they want to, habit formation included. But I often see that women are set up to fail with habit formation methods we've been given and taught and modeled our whole lives. If you want to learn the number one reason why women must do habits differently, sign up for my free class of the same name at aboutprogress.com slash habit class. I feel a bit like a broken record when I open this episode by saying something you've heard me say quite a bit lately, and that's habits always go deeper. In the fall, I had this enrollment period where I had a special feature of of the people who enrolled, I would have a few of them at random selected to do a free coaching call with me on habit formation. And I'm going to be airing one of those for you today that totally exemplifies why I keep being a broken record that habits always go deeper. Because with this coaching call, you will hear me talk to a woman named Emily, who came into the coaching call wanting to talk about deep work and the habit that she wanted to help me help her create to have more deep work time in her life. But as we dug into the practical ways we could help her solve this problem, 
it was so apparent that the reason she was really struggling to both advocate for and create this time for herself, it came down to not feeling valued in her ambitions and not being as supported as she wanted and needed to be by both her family and her spouse. This is a super common issue. And it makes me especially grateful to Emily, even though we're not sharing her last name and all these like extra personal details about her, that she would still be willing for me to air this episode where we go deep into what it can look like when you do not feel like your spouse in particular is being extra or even a little or genuinely supportive of what you need to have in place to feel like you can prioritize your own interests, goals, and even your habits. What you'll hear is a start by talking about the habit she wants to work on, but then we'll dive in pretty deep about what it looks like for us as women when we know we have limits, but we also want to make choices. And as part of those choices, we want to choose to still show up as our best selves that we can. And while these answers will play out differently for each one of us, and likely even within differing periods that we face within our own lives, I know this episode will help you know how to help yourself when you feel under supported. Emily, thanks for being willing to do this coaching call with me. It's great to have you. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Let's start with an introduction. Tell everybody a little about yourself. Myself, I am a really interesting human being. Sometimes I wish it was easier to feel that way. Among other things, I am a want-to-be academic. I'm always trying to figure out a way to go back to school. I am a mother of six kids, which makes the aforementioned rather difficult. And I have started a lot of things I haven't finished. And we're going to talk about why that likely is today. We're going to talk about some of those obstacles that are getting in the way of, of the goals that you have, the things you want to finish in your life. How about you tell us a little bit more about what you would like to be coached on today, more specifically. As I've tried to figure out what is the thing, the habit that I really want incorporated into my life, I did some coaching with someone last year and they're like, your personality type really needs to be doing deep work. That's what you're built mm, for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that feels really true. But when I tried to read the book, Deep Work, it was really fortunate it was an audiobook, or I would have thrown it against the wall. By Cal Newport? Yeah. Yeah. There was really, it was like the problems you talk about with a lot of advice about habits and women. It was just totally impractical to apply any of it to mm-hmm. my life at the time I read it. And so I felt so discouraged because I felt the value of what it was saying about how the body and brain need to do deep work, mm-hmm. but I couldn't see any way to practically apply it in yeah. my life while also doing care work. So I, that's, but I recognize I do have that need and that I need to address that in order to be, bring my best self to all the other things I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And so immediately to mine, I was like, what is the habit you most want to work on? Writing. But it's such a tricky habit because you can protect time to do it. You can find a slot or a when then for writing, but that doesn't mean that when you sit down to write, your brain will be Mm -hmm. in the right frame of mind. You'll be able to be productive with that time. And that's been really frustrating for me. Mm -hmm. 
So we have a combo of a few things. We have a need and a desire that's competing with reality. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk more about that reality. And as part of that, we also have the, when the rubber meets the road, even if you're able to follow through with actual design of when, and then you're going to do it, it's the, the, the internal, right. The internal struggle of being able to rise up to meet that. Am I, am I right with this? Right. That sounds right to me. Right direction. Okay. Let me go a few directions with this. Okay, Emily. Yeah. First, let's talk about the ideal. If we were to have the obstacles removed to reality, what could that look like for you? The best scenario I've been able to work out in the past to complete my master's thesis, I had a standing babysitter on Thursdays and she showed up at three. I left the house and I had from three until I was too tired to work. So I was just gone Thursdays, afternoons and evenings. And I knew that I could protect that time. And that is the most realistic thing that has worked the best for me. But I've had a really hard time arranging childcare. I've had a number of of babysitters not work out and I've not been able to get anyone to commit to a standing appointment for a couple of years now. And so that hasn't been an option, but that was the closest thing to an ideal that I've experienced that felt remotely realistic. So it was a set aside day yeah. And period of time mm-hmm. where you could be removed from the obstacles. Right? And when we say obstacles, we're talking about sweet little kids, you know, <laughs> and sometimes not so sweet. Right. But we're talking about those kids. Yeah. And the environment of the home where everything you look at has a story of, oh, yes, I've been meaning to do that or, oh, I need to do that mm-hmm. or, oh, that's feeling urgent this moment. So being removed from the physical environment also helped. Okay. So set aside day and a period of time removed from responsibilities and distractions Mm -hmm. during that time, when you did have that setting babysitter, did you feel like you were able to focus in the ways that you needed to? It was still sometimes a struggle because I'd arrive and I was like, I've got to use this time well. And sometimes I had to do the work of getting into the right mindset before I could do the work of the writing or the research. And sometimes it was frustrating to have to use that time in that way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sounds like overall it was still happening more times than not though. Like you were able to somehow get into the zone. Yeah. And part of that was because the stakes were high. I had to complete the thesis to graduate. Mm-hmm. I had faculty members checking on me regularly. Mm-hmm. There was like a fire lit. Mm-hmm. There was someone besides me that cared if it was completed. Okay. Yeah. And that's definitely a factor too. Uh, especially when you're carrying the weight of, of now, like the sole weight of, of working towards what your goals are right now, you are in a place of, you know, this might seem dramatic, but despair, you know, that that might seem like a dramatic word, but it feels that way when you keep hitting the same obstacle over and over and over Mm -hmm. and despair for me and the woman that I coach comes most often when we feel like we don't have a choice. Is that happening here a bit with this? I can think of a lot of instances where that's what it's felt like. I come up against my responsibilities or the emotional needs of my kids. And it's like, well, this, I guess, trumps everything right now. So I don't feel like I have a choice in those moments. 
Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating when I've tried to protect time and it seems like it's so easy for that attempt to be more or less sabotaged mm-hmm. by reality. Yeah. And so what we want to do is to move you from this place of despair to a place of choice again, because that's really what the antithesis of despair is. It's, it's, it's inserting choice. When we are stuck in despair, especially when we keep hitting an obstacle over and over and over again, and it's out of our control that kind of make us feel like the choice has been removed from us. We can, in a weird way, be comfortable with that space. And it also blinds us from seeing other options because we are thinking at the level of the problem. We can only see the problem. And this isn't to say this is your fault. Like, why don't you just like, you know, think about things differently. That's not what this is. It's different. Maybe you've heard me do this with other women I've coached or just talked about it in general. And it's called repotentialize. What it is, is blowing this out to a bigger picture thing of knowing that instead our goal is to insert choice. And we're going to figure that out together. But as part of that, we're going to repotentialize the situation. And that means we are going to try to insert an objective lens, even though it's ourselves still doing this, of being able to think at the level of the solution and not the problem. That doesn't mean that we pretend the problems don't exist. They do, but we are coming at it from a different perspective of being able to find other possible choices, repotentializing. We're, we're inserting more possibility. Does that sound possible for you? Or is even the idea seeing, I don't think that's realistic. No, very much. Part of the optimism I find within myself, even when my life is really crazy, really intense, is that I'm I'm a naturally I'm naturally inclined to expand possibilities rather than than restrict them. So I, I'm totally this. open to that. Okay, great. And actually, that's the the key. It's just just to be even open to being to repotentializing, if you can even be open to it. I mean, that's, that's it. Let's start though with knowing that what works best for this scenario is removed time away from the home and away from the responsibilities and having it more set in nature, like, right. More predictable, a standing appointment. What are the potential ways? If you were to say an outsider came to look at this or your best friend, spouse, whatever it may be, like what, what ideas could they come up with for you? We're just in the brainstorm mode, opening, opening us up, brainstorming. Okay. If I were to sit down with a friend to try to solve this, we would open up my calendar, look at, you know, the times when my other commitments are the lightest, see what can be offloaded. And, and then once we identify some windows of time, we would probably look for what would be my options for probably mostly childcare during those windows of time and try to look at options that I haven't considered before for solving that problem. So what would those options be? Let's dig into those a little bit more. 
let's talk about just the child care options. Well, the only thing I've seriously considered is, you know, texting people that have watched my kids before and asking them what their availability is like, and usually in a pretty passive way, because it's hard. It's really hard to ask for help with childcare. There can be a lot of cultural baggage associated with that. And so saying I, I need help in that way, even when it's, you know, help you're willing to pay for, it, it can be emotionally complicated. And so looking at more structured, maybe drop-in daycare options, or looking outside of like the circle, you know, I could look geographically outside of the neighborhoods I've been looking in. I could certainly be more assertive in solving that problem than I have been, but it's like been the sort of thing where a little bit of discouragement sets me back quite a bit as far as, oh, I guess that didn't work. Well, I tried. That was so hard to try. Yeah. I'm just going to, you know, cower for a little bit. Okay. This is interesting. So it's not lack of unpursued options. So there's, that's the great news. There's a lot of options that have not been pursued, even down to maybe the online ones of asking a neighborhood Facebook group or church group, or even like a whole mommy group in the area. Yeah. And to the actual services like nanny lane or care.com, even asking friends, like what, you know, what kid is, is doing college right now? Like what, what college age kid needs a job every Thursday for the night, you know? So, so it's not that there's a lack of options. It's more the, what is holding you back from pursuing it. Right. Yeah. And I, I can see myself being easily talked out of pursuing it aggressively. And I think part of that is because I don't feel like anyone but me values it. So it's hard to commit resources to that. You know, Emily, every single woman I do coaching with, no matter how seemingly simple the habit is, like I'm talking about laundry, Mm -hmm. it always goes deeper. And this is one of the big reasons why we, we as women need to do habits differently because it is so tied to these emotionally charged experiences or ways we view ourselves and others. And honestly, I think that's what we need to do. We need to get really clear about what is holding you back from asking for help. <clears throat> you brought up one right there already feeling like you're the only one who values this. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Or is that yeah. more of a fear? Yeah, I totally can. Yeah. I just, then I have to get into like marriage dynamics and stuff. But That's like when I was- you're comfortable. Yeah. I'm fine. Like when I went, the second half is I was trying to complete my master's program and I could feel the resentment building up in my family as it was getting, you know, to, to the two-year mark and the two and a half year mark that I'd been committing so much time to this and had to be more unavailable. I could feel emotional energy of my family being really annoyed, not being super willing in the ways they were supporting me. They still did them because structurally there wasn't much of a choice. But when you can feel that emotional energy of them kind of resenting it, that was really difficult for me. And it led me to, once I completed it, feeling like, okay, well, first of all, I was 
eight months pregnant when I graduated wow. with my fifth child, but I just felt like I have to commit a bunch of time to doing damage control in my relationships because everybody is mad at me for taking the time to do this for myself. And I do feel like there were a lot of ways in which it was also good for them and good for my relationships with them. But that was my overall feeling by the time I completed was I just need to be available for a while because everyone's so frustrated that I haven't been available. And, you know, that led me to not setting myself up to have a lot of options right out of grad school. And so I graduated, I had two babies in quick succession. And then, you know, with, and then I, after I'd had two babies, I started getting the diagnoses for my kids and realizing just how intense my parenting experience was yeah. set up to be. And that feeling of asking, especially my spouse, to do that solo parenting for periods of time so that I can pursue things that are important to me. We can discuss it and we can agree that I do so much of the solo parenting and I carry so much of the mental and emotional load for our family that I do need that time. But when it actually comes time for him to do that time alone with the kids, there's just this energy about it that makes me really hesitant. Like it has to be, I, every time I feel like I'm going to commit time to doing things that I know are important to me, it's like, I have to decide how much am I willing to fight for this? Because I know there's going to be relational fallout and that I'm going to have to defend my choice. I'm going to have to have, they're not major arguments, but just like the little unpleasant conversations that you have when you value something that they value less. And I'm like a sensitive enough person that that's difficult for me that I, I feel all of those emotions and I internalize them inherently, you know, and I've gotten better at differentiating emotions than I used to be, but I'm still very sensitive. And so it's difficult, it's difficult for me to defend and protect those priorities that aren't inherently valued by, you know, the people whose space I share and whose emotional energy I'm always That's around. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's always so much deeper. It makes so much sense to me that this whole area of your life has been hard to make momentum on when there's so much fear attached to it fear of, you know, this is, you know, the, of course, there's like the fear of all this work that I have to do, not only to arrange these things, but also to, to make everyone else okay with the arrangements uh, that is emotionally and, and physically, spiritually, like always taxing. So that's a heavy weight. And it makes sense that you would want to avoid that by, you know, saying I tried and you, you texted some people, or you weren't as assertive as you typically would be. It, it's like the guise of following through without really following through. Right. Yeah. It's just kind of that being easily kind of gun shy. Like it doesn't mm -hmm. take, it doesn't take very much for me to retreat when it can just feel really tender. Yeah. And I want to affirm that, you know, we can have really good people in our families who are not enrolled in the visions, you know, of what we need and, and, and honoring what we value. It, it can be something they resist. Really good people can resist 
shifts in dynamics, shifts in responsibilities, and you sensing that, I don't think you're off in that. And it's not saying like, wow, that's terrible. Like what a terrible person and or what terrible kids or whatever it may be, whoever's resisting it. Right. It's more about looking at it as the big picture of this is what we do as humans. Like they're used to you being always available. They're used to you putting out the fires and them having to step up in different ways is really challenging. And they are resentful. You know, they might have the guise of following through just like you've done with this, like right now, like before they had the guise of following through, but not the heart, not the assertiveness. I think you're right in tracking it. So what should Emily do? Should she wave the white flag and surrender to these limitations? Should she get divorced and try to avoid them altogether? Luckily, the answer is not so binary. We will dig into what's next for Emily and you as well if you're in the same situation after the break. When was the last time you failed at a new habit you were trying to install? It should be pretty recent because that's the case with most of us. We try to install new habits and they just don't work. We fail at them. Even I am not immune to that as the creator of the sticky habit method. This is the method for real women who want real habits. Now, why am I admitting that even I fail at habits? It's because it's essential to the habit formation process. If you've never learned that before and what to do with these habit fails in the middle of having them so that you can still have the habit you want with time, then you need to enroll to this course. You can do that by going to aboutprogress.com slash sticky habit method. We have hundreds of students who have been learning how to turn their habit fails into sticky habits, and you can be one of them too. Again, that's aboutprogress.com slash sticky habit method. So here's where we have two choices, okay? And both of these choices are founded in the same thing. And it's accepting limitations. We can accept that this is challenging and you are up against some big emotional and also time intensive and, you know, work intensive obstacles of your, you have six children that require a ton of energy, require a a really capable person to manage their care. So we can start with those limitations. We can also accept the limitations that in order for you to make progress on this goal, you need time away and that those don't have to be competing things that in being away, you can come back with a full person to give from in ways that you otherwise would not. So that's a whole other coaching call. Like we, we could spend a lot of time on that. I just wanted to give that idea to you. Those don't have to be competing. Right. But as part of accepting these limitations, we also have to, we also have to accept that people are not enrolled to the vision. And that means now we're going to go to the two pathways. Okay. If we can accept that this does require more effort, 
I'm the primary one who has to make these arrangements. This matters more to me than it does in those in my household. Now it's up to what are the choices I'm choosing to make in spite of these limitations and not even in spite of them because of them, like where they're along for the ride. Right. And this is where we remove ourselves from the despair where we're reinserting choice. Now we can't change these limitations without lots of time and work and even therapy, which can all happen and, and could be part of the choices you make in the big picture. But in terms of this actual thing, like what are some of the choices you can make? And that's where you do it without them. And you know, you're just carrying that load yourself of making the arrangements and being more assertive and doing it because you know, what makes you the person you want to be as a mom and as a wife, mm-hmm. or you do it with them and you accept that that resentment is going to come along for the ride. And it will be more of a long journey to work on being seen and accepted for these, these things that you value and these parts of yourself that you need to be honored. But it's not, I was actually talking about this with a client the other day. So let me, let me say this one other way. There's a way for us to acknowledge other people's fears in our lives. The people that we are in the closest relationships with, there's a way for us to acknowledge them, validate them, see them and make them part of the conversation without bending ourselves to them. What's yeah, that bringing up for you? Just working on having healthy boundaries and limits in all of my relationships. And that can be difficult when you are more sensitive to other people's emotions than the people whose emotions you're sensitive to. And so it just takes more work and more preparation so that you know what you're going to do or what you're going to say when it does. those difficult moments come up. And that also is something that won't be a one-time conversation. So this is a longer haul kind of thing. So this is where we're going to come back to your choices again. You can choose to not do that. <laughs> you know, and I mean that you can just choose to say, this isn't going to work. I, I, I can't do this alone right now. I can't bear this weight. Um, and, and with that, you're going to have to weigh out the trade-offs. What are they? Are the trade-offs that I am depleted? Are the trade-offs that you show up with resentment because you're avoiding other people's resentment of you? Are the trade-offs worth it to you though? You know, you get to decide that, but you also again, got to decide if maybe the other way is what you are willing to do to persist in this, in this, in this part of you that matters so much and what those trade-offs are that you are willing to accept too. Well, I can, I kind of feel like that is what I've been choosing for the past five or six years because I have. You've done a lot of this. Yeah. I've run into that wall a lot of times and basically chosen. I will return my attention to putting out these fires and soothing these feelings. And I will, you know, shelf the things I was trying to do Mm -hmm. for a short time until I have enough Mm -hmm. bravery to come back to it again. But every time I go through that cycle, you know, it affects how I feel about myself that I've made Mm -hmm. so many efforts to try to start to dig in, to accomplish something, to finish something. And, you know, you have enough things that you register in your brain as failures and it starts to 
flavor your own resentment towards things in all parts of your life. And I'm getting to the point where I need to address and honor my feelings and my programming because my own resentment gets really unhealthy. Mm -hmm. So I need to, it's time for me to start choosing the other path and all of the emotional work that goes with that. Sometimes when I've had to do all of that emotional work to get to the point where I'm now ready to do the deep work that's important to me, I am so depleted by the emotional work that it gets hard to do the creative work that I fought so hard to be able to do. And that's what I want to make sure we, we hit on before we end, end this coaching call. First though, let's, let's make sure we're affirming where we know you are at. Okay. You know this, you've lived it. You've also lived out the trade-offs and there might be different ways to, to move through the trade-offs next time too. There might be other things you can do as a family to enroll people in the vision in the long-term, even if all you can control in that situation is enrolling your children in the vision more of them seeing this deeper why behind this path for you, because it makes you who you need to be for them and for yourself you know, and, and what it does for them to, to see their mom pursuing a passion and having something to call her own and having light in her eyes and being herself. And it's not to say we have to have something outside of motherhood to feel fulfilled in it, but a lot of women do a lot of women do. Mm -hmm. So there's that part of this, that maybe we can do things differently this time. And still accepting those limitations. Okay. So we're hearing you right though. You know, it's time and you are, because you're acknowledging that time and we can embrace this deeper why for you, that can be what drives the work to figure out the childcare. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, that's what I want to be pushing you. The fears can come along for the ride. The fears of people being disappointed, put out, annoyed, resentful, the fears of the work they'll take to have those conversations, get people enrolled in the vision, all of that. That's all welcome for the ride, but the deeper why weighs it all out. Mm -hmm. And that's what can push you. Does that sound in alignment with where you're at right now and what you can do? Yes. And here's an example of that. So my oldest is 16. He's eligible to get his driver's license on October 18th, which is in seven days. <laughs> <laughs> The idea of him being able to do some of the driving people around and the bandwidth that could free up for me is really exciting for me. Yeah. Whereas all my husband can see is that our auto insurance will double and mm. that we, if we buy him a car, there's, he just sees dollar signs. That's all he yeah. sees. And so like trying to help him grasp the vision of like what it would mean for me to get my oldest set up, to be able to do some of the chauffeuring of kids. I can tell that's going to be yeah. a battle. It's going to require a lot of energy for me to convince him that this is important enough to me that he's going to have to come along, even though it's not a priority he shares with me. So that's, that's something that I'm anticipating eminently where I am going to have to, you know, stand up for myself 
expend emotional energy to set myself up to be able to do things that are a priority for me. Um, and I can see right in front of me what it's going to take for me to do that. And I am absolutely feeling dread about those conversations that I see standing between where I am and where I want to be. And you're not wrong. <laughs> Again, these are part of the things like, yeah, we have to accept that that is going to be everything you just described. Mm -hmm. But this is where we go back to two things. One, what's the deeper why here? And that needs to be part of the conversation. And that's going to demand a level of vulnerability that maybe you've gone down in the past and hasn't been accepted. So maybe you've shrunk away from that or you've hidden it or stuffed it down, or you've been resentful of that, whatever it may be that you need to have the courage to bring out again of the deeper reasons why the practical for sure matters, but the deeper, deeper part of parts of it. And as part of that, that conversation we just had about being showing up to this conversation as your higher self connected to this deeper why the most loving thing you can do is refuse to bend to the fears because you know what the cost is of doing that and how that will ultimately be more damaging for the relationship and for the family. Yeah. And I've experienced what it feels like to concede and concede and to feel the resentment that I can't avoid feeling when I'm not honoring my own really deep and very real needs. And I know that that's not healthy. And so it, I'm learning, I'm learning that it's worth being more stubborn than I'm, you know, inherently that it's natural for me to be because I know it's better for my relationships in the long run. I don't know that I'm ever going to get to the point where those conversations aren't really difficult for me. And mm -hmm. that's okay. That's okay. I hope that as I work on having more of them, communicating lovingly, staying calm and, yeah. you know, insisting on my priorities and my needs being on the table, yes, that the relationships improve and the conversations improve. I don't have any guarantee that they will. A big part of this dread is because it's not a regular conversation and, and not to say like, you need to have these every day. And they need to be big. It's, if, you know, we break these out into like, this is an ongoing conversation. It becomes a different way of navigating and showing up to relationships. But yes, it's part of that. There does need to be at least that initial conversation. And that does require an extreme amount of courage and with that vulnerability. And that's where I, I think what I would advise you to do is to get centered in that vision of who you want to be as a wife, as a woman, as a mother, that you can get centered in that deeper why, why this is the most loving thing to do is to be more assertive in these areas so that you can show up as that person because of the love you have. Yeah. And that is a recentering that I think I need to do probably multiple times a day. Yeah. I've, I've been making great progress at making sure I'm not doing things for my kids, for my family, that they are perfectly capable of doing for themselves mm -hmm. just because it's easier for everybody. Yeah. 
and helping them all need me less because I know I need to be less available. Not that I need to be unavailable, but I'm working on, you know, making sure that they're as independent as possible, that I'm supporting them in smart and intentional ways and, you know, trying to optimize my interactions as a parent so that I'm not wasting energy doing things that aren't getting us where we want to be. But I still think I feel guilt for that. And I don't mm-hmm. feel like I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm doing it selfishly and not lovingly. So I think having that recentering that the most loving thing to do is to do what I need to, to show up as a loving person, which involves meeting my own needs and not resenting them for not meeting my needs. Mm -hmm. That is going to help me not have the emotional baggage of feeling guilty all the time, which I think helps me conserve the emotional energy I need for when I do need to have those difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. And to also just accept, you know, we talk about accepting limitations a lot. That's one of them, accept that this, those that that guilt that like nagging thought like wouldn't it just be easier to stop like or aren't you just supposed to not care about this stuff you know those those kind of things like those are gonna come and the discomfort is gonna be part of the ride mm-hmm. but one of the great things about resistance is that as you learn to accept it as part of the path then you're able to be more resilient within the resistance. Which is exactly what I need. I've been so grateful that you've been willing to go down this path with me because you came wanting to work on this habit of writing time. And we can see now that it's deeper. It's about the fears. It's about the responsibilities. It's about navigating that with its conflict with other people. And, and this is what real women are living out every single day. I know every woman listening can relate to this in at least some capacity. So you thank you for the courage to be willing to talk about this. And let's start by knowing that we need a recentering in this vision. And this can be as simple as Emily, you taking a little bit of time to just cast a vision of what it feels like or what it would feel like to be a woman who is centered and fulfilled And that's the vision. That's the vision that we can recenter ourselves in and be like, I am, I am a woman who feels these things because I live out this way in a loving, really beautiful way that we can bring back to, it can become a mantra almost like that's like part of an identity statement even so that you can recenter yourself to have the first of ongoing conversations, starting with just the car. Mm -hmm. Here's where I want you to go from here. Okay. Let's just start with casting the vision. What would it look and feel like to be fulfilled in this way for you? And you can just send that to me through email. I just want to hear it. You can, I'm not trying to give you more work, but maybe that accountability and also someone who, you know, is really interested in this will, will help you feel like you're, you're able to prioritize that. Let's start with casting a vision and then having that hard conversation we talked about with the car as a starter to to other hard conversations to come. We're not doing the whole big thing yet. This is just a sampling, right? 
and then be more assertive with childcare with this vision in mind and starting your work periods, however long or short, remove from responsibilities or not with a ritual, a grounding ritual. It can be very short. It can be as simple as a deep breath and a reminder of what this is really for. That's fantastic. Thank you. And I, I just love the idea of honoring myself and my own humanness enough to allow that I need that transition of like providing myself with a ritual. It just feels so kind to myself. I love it. (laughs) And I hope you. you can give yourself that kindness too, as you're navigating the fine lines of accepting limitations, but also not bending to the fears, you know, of, of, of other people. It's a long road, but I think it will be a happier, more fulfilling road for you and for your loved ones. It's not just for you. This is, this is ultimately for them. Yeah. And that's a big part of it. I want to show up for them in a more kind and centered way. And I also want to model for them the kind of, you know, healthy approach to relationships and model for them what it looks like to take responsibility for meeting your own needs too. So this is important to me in that way too. Well, we're here for you and I appreciate that you'd be willing to to talk about this today and I'm excited to hear how things go. hope this episode gave you the hug and kick in the pants you need to grow. It definitely is a sensitive topic, but like I said in the introduction, it's a very common issue in our community for women to face feeling under-supported, whether that's with their spouse, their children, their closest friendships, or other family members. And if you are in that place, just know that one, you're not alone, and two, There's so much that we can do to help you help yourself. And again, it will look different for each woman, each woman, but you, you will be able to figure this out in ways that you can feel aligned with what decisions you've had to make. So with that all said, I also want to say some good news here. I actually did, um, get some great emails from email um, from Emily with some follow-ups. She's made a lot of progress on her own, including um, making progress in terms of uh, arranging for the next parts of her career and finishing her applications. But she's also done some hard work with having conversations with her spouse and making um, a lot of repotentializing happening on her part. And we also worked on a ritual to have her do more deep work easily in the call itself, but I decided to not air that portion of the coaching call, Um, but she's been working on that as well. Um, If you are interested though, in having, learning more about like what it could be like to have a ritual that helps you get into a deep work session of some kind, you can check out another coaching call I shared last spring where we talked about setting up this kind of habit with a woman named Sarah, and we will link to that in the show notes. With all of that being said, now I will share the progress pointers from this episode. And these are the notes I took so you don't have to. And those on my go-getter newsletter get it in a graphic form each Wednesday. Number one, despair arises when we don't feel like we have choices. This despair can be weirdly a comfortable place to stay because we can continue thinking at the level of the problem. Number two, 
Instead, we need to repotentialize, meaning objectively open ourselves up to think at the level of the solution. Accepting our limitations is essential to helping us still make choices within them. Number three, good people we love can resist the shifts and dynamics that come as we work to better prioritize our own needs and wants. Number four, you can honor and make space for your loved one's fears without bending to them. And number five, sort through what trade-offs you are willing to choose, get clarity on the vision of who you want to be, and move forward with your decisions with this vision helping you do so with alignment. Your do something challenge is to cast a vision of who you want to be. That will take on a different shape for each of us, obviously, but I also mean in terms of what kind of vision you're trying to cast, whether it's a vision of uh, within your marriage, a vision within your parenting, or just a vision for yourself as a woman. Before we go, a reminder here that I'm on maternity leave, and this means that while I did the work ahead of time to make sure this podcast is still going, my own marketing of the podcast is taking a major backseat to me cuddling my baby and likely doing tons of laundry. And because of that, I rely on you, the listeners, to ensure this podcast is being heard. If you can share this episode with even one friend today, I'd be so grateful. And extra bonus points if you leave a rating and review on your podcast app. Thank you for stepping up for the podcast in ways I'm choosing not to right now. And thank you for listening. Now go and do something with what you learned today. One moment, actually, Brad. Yes, actually. Do you mind doing that? Sorry. He was asking if he needs to go pick up the four-year-old. And I said, I'll oh, one moment. And then I was like, oh, no, wait, I actually want to make sure I, I, I talk about one more thing with Emily. Okay. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.